Abba Yahweh, and bless the words, the reading of your word, your truth, your knowledge, your wisdom, allowing me to be the conduit to carry these words, your truth, your knowledge, and wisdom to those that have an ear, let them hear, my brothers and sisters, for your strength, your uprightness, and your courage. Always in Lord God. Abba Yahweh, Abba, Yeshua, Abba, Parakutas, Abba. I've heard it said by people, and I've heard it said in particular about certain things that, you know, well, you know, Jesus saved this person in redemption, that person, gosh, how, it's almost as if they sound a lot like Peter. How dare they? How dare they? Backslide. They couldn't have believed it. Well, let me clarify something for you. They're wrong, Okay. The truth of the matter is that the minions of hell are constantly after those that give their hearts and believe and has nothing to do with that they didn't believe enough or that their redemption wasn't strong enough. That is so contrary to biblical teaching and it is so full of themselves and they're absolutely full of themselves because they have decided that that person in that. So they're judging that person having never met them. Never met them. Or perhaps they did meet them one brief moment. Never took time to speak with them. To have fellowship with them. And yet they want to stand back with their arms crossed across their chest or folded across their bodies, which is a telltale sign of Arrogance, number one, and cutting themselves off to keep themselves separate. So Jesus himself told us in the word of God that things like this would happen and that God from the beginning knew that these things would happen and knew that we would require repentance and being able to come. Why do you think that his door is never bolted? God does not bolt and lock his temple door. He just expects us to knock. The Bible tells us, ask not and ye receive not. In the, that's in the book of James. And we need to know that that is truth. Let me find that specific scripture, but James talks about us. We just need to ask him. That's it. So if you have a moment, and people will have moments, because the minions of hell are constantly trying to get us pushed off that Pardon me, that path that we're on toward God. Um, I'm sorry, I thought I had it marked. Ah, here's a good scripture in James as well, though. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. 
<clears throat> pardon me. So James is saying something specific here. Um, he's admonishing <clears throat> because uh, there were many in the day that would say that that uh, when they're in a turmoil or temptation or a trial up there, that God is tempting them. But God does not tempt. God protects. God will allow certain things into our lives to fortify our faith, but God does not tempt. This isn't the case with Job. God was not touching Job and did not do those things. He had an allowance that took place. But God himself will not do these things because God loves his children. So we have to understand in James 13, uh, 1.13, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So what James is explaining in his linguistics is what I'm saying. Temptation is around us all the time. And one thing that I count... Pardon me. I just had to express a great thanks to my father because the Holy Spirit is opening my eyes to these things that are going on. And, and, and here's the thing too. Satan loves temptation and he loves to think that he wins the battle when you might succumb but you come back in repentance and the Lord always opens his arms. All we have to do is ask for it. If you say, oh, I'm too ashamed, I can't speak to God, I can't even pray, I can't get the word, I just, see, that's, that is the goal. But God, I sometimes I get this picture, God's standing there and he's got his arms are kind of bent at the elbow and in, but his hands are open, he's trying to, get you to come <clears throat> and then you are so guilt-ridden and so full of your self-doubt and your shame and you're listening to that white noise interference because the minion is are standing around you and whispering in your ear and then you turn and you walk away and the Lord just sort of drops his hands his shoulders slump and he looks down and then the tear falls. Oh, don't think that that's a, something there. See, here's the, here's the deal. Everybody thinks that God is as high and mighty and he's sitting on a throne and all he does is this very austere look on his face as he looks down upon us. Well, there's the thing. He doesn't look down upon any of us. God holds us in higher esteem than we hold ourselves we are his creation. Do I need to stomp this into the, you know, and I sometimes get repetitive, but here's the thing. 
Jesus manifested himself on this earth or God manifested him through Mary's womb to a carpenter and his wife in a poor craftsman's village. And they used to make fun of the town of Nazareth. They didn't have any public buildings or, you know, and and many times the families would sleep in uh, a couple of the families in one residence. Excuse me, is it? Hello, and how do people say that that's not relevant to our time, that the Bible needs to be rewritten? Excuse me. Read and see the descriptions of Nazareth. Look around, and then the neighborhoods don't drive with blinders on. Look around. Open your eyes. Don't be afraid. There are families, and when you go by their houses, there's eight or 10 vehicles parked in the driveway on the front lawn at the curbside and they all live in the same residence. They're living there. They work and they, they, they reside, they feed and they're all the same family. It's not a great life. It's not an easy life, but they do it. And that's happening. In Nazareth, it was happening. And they used to speak of Jesus. Can anything good come of Nazareth? Nathaniel told Philip that when he went to say, hey, come and see the Messiah. And he told Nathaniel again when he started making light, he said, come and see. Jesus was humbled, came so that he could empathize with the creation that he and God formed. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. <clears throat> so that very thing that says has to be rewritten, I just find it very daunting to go through this and listen to these individuals that are supposedly leaders of churches and saying that they're going to rewrite the Bible to make it more relevant to this day and time. It's pretty sad, pretty pathetic, actually. But here's here's the great thing and the important thing, and we're going to go back to Deuteronomy, and I'm going to take this out of the old translation. When I say the old hand translation, I mean Hebrew. <coughs> As they wrote it, and they translated it for the Bible. <coughs> Pardon me. The enemy is attacking because he doesn't want me to share this. It's fairly obvious. He likes to interrupt me when I'm sharing good things. So if we go to Deuteronomy, that's pretty far up. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, fifth book of the Bible. So, In Deuteronomy 33 and 25. <clears throat> May your door bolts be iron and copper. And your security last all your days. Mojeshrom. There is none like Hashim. Riding through the heavens to help you through the skies in his majesty. Oh. Remember that word, Hashem. Lord thy God. 
The ancient Ashim is a refuge, a support are the are the arms everlasting. He drove out the enemy before you by his command. Destroy. The enemy was about and they were coming. But God was with his people. And he gave them permission to fight. To stand firm and be bold. Be courageous, be upright. And with his strength and his guidance, they overcame. With his strength and his guidance, we overcome. There are things that come against us. And I. this is, man, this is good. I'm going to send this to a co-worker who is just so, she's doing a lot of hard work with her horses and trying to feed and all these things and just seemed to be doing this all on her own and she's feeling that. Although her husband is about and assists as he can but he's not the animal person and he doesn't know them like she does so she takes that control mostly with the animals and she's just feeling very depleted right now but here's the thing that happens with all of us is that we start feeling depleted and this is the onslaught that will happen the bible talks about it and satan revels in it and he sends his minions but count your blessings name them one by one and they will help that to diminish that shadow and you think of the Lord. And let me explain this to you too. A lot of people have this total misconception of Christianity and that once you become a Christian that you can't backslide, you don't backslide, you won't backslide, and life is a cakewalk. Well, what's that mean? Well, back in the day, there was a thing that we used to have at the little school fairs and all this stuff. It was called the cakewalk. Get your little ticket and you walk around the circle. And this was actually back in the boardwalks and back, 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 back. Many generations. And all she did is she walked around in a circle. Didn't have to do anything. Didn't have to shoot a gun. You didn't have to throw darts. You didn't have to uh, get the ring around the neck of a bottle and, and, and win your prize. All she had to do was walk in a circle. And when the music stopped, you were by a number, you check your ticket, and the numbers match, and you get a cake to take home to your family. And these were usually, I only saw the cakewalks at uh, school fairs and things, so you were earning money and all that, and, and the moms would bake the cakes. And some of these things were, man, they're really good. <clears throat> but life is not like that. Life is not a cakewalk. We need assistance through our walk, Holy Spirit, given to us to guide our steps. And remember Proverbs. Oh, let's not forget Proverbs. In the book of Proverbs, we are told that we have that from the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit guides us and will be with us and through our instances, 
Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thing thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to the bones. What's being said? Arrogant mammon, arrogant man, and I find myself troubled whenever I do this thing and we talk to ourselves and see Satan Satan and his minions, they take great delight in these things in getting us to be caught up in our own, sometimes in our own revelry, sometimes in our own, we, let me put it to you this way. Our greatest obstacle is ourselves. We, get caught up in that white noise. So once we get caught up in the white noise, we convince ourselves, oh, I've lost. I've lost my redemption. No, you haven't lost it. You just dropped it for a minute. But it's right there at your feet. All you have to do is bend down. And while you're bending down, you might want to get on your knees or just bow to the Lord and admit what we've done. I mean, this is something that everyone goes through. Pastors, if they're worth the salt that Jesus says that they are, and if they're speaking truthfully, and they are truly called and anointed to this sharing of the word, then they will admit it too. And I know many, I love my mentor because he admits to his weakness and faults, and and he admits that he's under attack. Here's the other thing too I've shared with you many times. The closer our walk, the harder they come. You should just be thankful that Satan doesn't come on his own because then you'd really, you'd, (laughs) truthfully, you'd probably wet yourselves, man or woman, you you would wet yourselves because you'd be so frightened because we get this misconception, this idea in our heads that Satan is like God. He's huge. He's he's mighty. Excuse me. Excuse me. Let me interrupt that thought process for a minute. In Luke, Jesus gave us authority to step on serpents, scorpions, and to face even the enemy himself. Whoa, wait a second. I have that authority? Yes, the word of God, he's declaring to his 12 with him, physically there, but he's talking to us. If you claim that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God, and you claim him to be your Lord and Savior, and that he came and died for you, and you declare that you will have faith in God, you notice the terms that I said there, and the word, the terminology? Declare claim and use in uprightness and in righteousness. You claim 
that authority that the Lord Jesus has given to us, you declare that authority and you use it in uprightness, rebuking of the minions from hell and even Satan himself. In the name of Jesus, this be done. Quite honestly, many Christians forget that very thing. I sometimes do. And then the white noise starts getting louder and then all of a sudden I say, oh, I claim, declare, and I rebuke you minions of hell. Get thee behind me, Satan. In Jesus' name. And then that white noise clicks off. Only momentarily because they'll come back and they'll try again. And this is what they do. And especially... As our walk with the Lord gets stronger and closer, they come more often and they try to turn it up louder because what are the, what is their goal? See, the goal for us as true Christian believers, let me emphasize that and say that again, true Christian believers, because there are many that are self-proclaimed and label heads and they have not yet completely turned over, but they like to... Um, they're the ones that look at church as still being a social club and getting around and seeing people, but yet they don't spend much time in prayer and they spend a whole lot of time gallivanting. That's an old word in case you didn't know it. Out wandering around and doing stuff. and, and um... But see, here's the thing with that too cannot judge your brothers and sisters that are doing any of those things, if they are, and don't get your knickers in a twist because that's not what this is about. And then here's what happened. Here's the other thing that Satan likes to do is those that get their knickers all twisted up and nodded and they get uncomfortable, then they start throwing out this, so I'm offended. How dare this person to judge? Well, first of all, nobody mentioned anybody's name. Nobody points a finger at anybody. And when there's something negative to do that, you pray over it and you pray for that individual and you don't point your finger in judgment and you start, don't start wagging your tongue and and mentioning names. Just like the church at Ephesus. And I can't remember if I shared this with you or not, but I saw this one alleged Christian show, self-proclaimed thing. And they did this video release and, Actually, I'm quite ashamed that they allowed it to happen. Pray over them, but they allowed a uh, they allowed a five panel jury, if you would, of alleged pastoral leaders of a church. Alleged, I say alleged, because what they were doing was shameful, contrary to true biblical teaching, and contrary to the Word of God, the Word of Christ, our Lord. Contrary to the the uh, epistles that were written by Christ's apostles, it was despicable, actually. So what it was is these these high and mighty Pharisees got up on their high horse. Um, actually, some of them were Sadducees, but they were practicing the Phariseeism. So they were doing the same thing, and they were pointing their finger and blame. And they actually named names. They named churches. They named pastoral leaders. They they were condemning singing groups and they were declaring that songs were blasphemous and um, declaring, first of all, it's wrong, period. It's contrary to the teaching. You do not do that. 
They were sitting in seats of judgment and pointing their fingers and making a public declaration of churches, pastors, and singing groups that were not Christian and they were teaching false doctrine and lies and blah, blah, and on and on they went. Well, let me tell you, that five panel, you all know who you are. And I hope you threw yourselves down and covered your head in ash and cried out for the Lord to give you forgiveness because what you did was totally contrary to his teaching, his word. And you do not have that authority. You might take that and think you are, but here's the thing. You have to claim it, declare it, and use it in righteousness, which you were unrighteous in what you did because you were pointing out and judging. I share this further. The songs that they were talking about, I don't know what they were listening to or what they heard, but um, you know, back in the day, there were times where they said if you played a record backwards that you could hear the devil talking and you know, sound weird. <laughs> so I think what happened is these five guys. They were listening, but it was that white noise interference that they were hearing because nothing that they were describing in these songs was anything but upright, righteous worship of Lord God Almighty, Hashim, Lord thy God. And he was covering them and anointing these people and they were singing out to him and the teaching, the, the, the excerpts that they were taking out were things, but this is how... I share with you that these perverts will take things out of context and they don't read anything or teach contextually. Just like that one perverted individual was trying to say that he's going to rewrite the sections of the Bible because we've been teaching John 3.16 wrong all these decades and hundreds of years that it was written out and God condemns. First of all, God does not condemn. He offers a way of repentance. He offers a way. And like I told you, his door latch is never closed and bolted. All you have to do is knock. All you have to do is look. Take a peek in the window of God's home, knock on the door. God, I need to see you. God will not turn you away. You come and you seek his face. You seek up to abide with him. And the door is open. We'll bring you in and you sit and you sup with him. What does that term mean? Desire to supplement. Well, first of all, there was a time <clears throat> before the cellular telephone and all this, the uh, when the prince of the airwaves took over and got everybody all rattled with cellular and media and all that crap. And there used to be a time where I told my grandchildren, if I was taking the family out to eat, they did not bring those electronic devices out to the table. And then they whined and they cried to dad because I wasn't in charge. I wasn't paying the bills and I wasn't dad. Well, in his weakness, he relented. One day we were out and it didn't, the evening didn't turn out <coughs> because they had the device on and I came back from washing my hands and utilizing the facilities they had the electronics out. And I said, hey, I thought I told you none of these at the table. Well, dad said, dad said, and I looked at my son and he just kind of shrugged his shoulders and then he looked down and started shoveling food in his face. 
most annoying and being as I was, <laughs> I was not pleased. And I said, fine. But dinner is supposed to be a time that we share with one another. And we spend time with each other and you want to spend time in the electronics. So between shoveling food in their face, they were on the electronics and they were giggling and laughing and, you know, and I get it. He was trying to keep the peace because he didn't want to hear their, the, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? But here's the deal too, is are we not the very same way? This is a tool, originated as a tool. And you can take any tool and make it into something that it's not supposed to be used for. You can twist it and you can pervert it, which is exactly what these despicable claiming to be elders and shepherds, but this is also in the Bible. They twist and manipulate, they pervert the word of God. It has become a perversion that spews out from their mouths like, like, a, like an effluent conduit tube that just spews out sewage because in my vision that's what it is it's nothing more than flotsam and jetsam coming out on a stanky water and it spews out of their mouths and people are indulging in this as truth that's the sad part and the church that I wanted to be communing with my friends that we were all attending the same church and I just came drawn to them and really enjoyed their company and wanted to see them and wanted to be able to worship God without having to... You had to have a double arms distance between people on each side and you had to wear a mask. That was the requirement that was established by government officials who supposedly know everything. I didn't want that. I wanted to be able to be close. I wanted to be able to hug people. So they were doing that. They found a church and allowed that. They found a church who was allegedly exercising faith and truth. Well, I didn't try the spirit, and, and they weren't. I shared with you what took place there. <clears throat> In everything, try the spirit, just like I shared with you. Proverbs 3, 5, 5 through 7, actually, 5 through 8. And I'm going to share further with this excellent reading, and, it, and it's very important. And, you know, actually, I think I'm going to read it in its entirety just as it's written here because it's very factual, very truthful. Are you weighed down with burdens today? Are the tasks overflowing? Each day's stress can be overwhelming, and even more so when we consider all the unexpected interruptions that distract us. But God, Hashim, thy Lord, thy God, has our lives planned on a daily basis. Psalm 139, I love that. I love Psalm 139, it's great. And also Proverbs 3. That is indeed awesome. I mean, that's our... We really have to work on remembering these. I, I do... And notice I said the word we, I make myself inclusive because here's the thing. <clears throat> Those of you out there that are, <clears throat> pardon me, are looking toward being offended and constantly getting your knickers in a twist about everything that's said. That's what you're looking for. You're not looking for truth. You're not looking for knowledge. And you're definitely not looking for any kind of knowledgeable information. You're just out here listening. But you're not hearing anything. And then you find something that, 
set you off, and there you go. But here's the thing in 139, and it's very cool. And this is, it's very vital actually. And it talks about Lord thy God and how he has searched his heart. And he knows our thoughts, he knows our hearts from a distance. He doesn't even have to be with us to know. And, you know, then you have those that will be of a weak mind and, and a weak heart. And they say, well, if he knows, then why do I even need to say anything? Because it's important. <laughs> Pardon me, that we confess, oh, he knows. And there is no place that we can go that we can hide from God because he sees everything. He is omniscient, all-knowing, omnipresent, always with us, and omnipotent, all-powerful. Whereas, on the other hand, Satan is not, which is why he's got all these minions running around and they're doing his bidding because he can't be that. That was a heavenly attribute that he did have and taken away when he got the boot. He got the big boot and he, and remember what Jesus tells us? I saw Satan fall like lightning. He wasn't just said, okay, time to go, get out. And you know, like you see these delinquents, they lower their head, slump their shoulder and they start dragging their bag or suitcase and he was God manhandled. <laughs> he was tossed. Tossed. Literally tossed and tossed to the ground and fell as lightning. And our Lord says he saw that take place. But Psalm 139, that the Lord sees us. And Satan... And, Satan worked in, in David's mind a lot, so a lot of things. This is why Psalm is an important book for many of us because you think you, you think that nothing is relevant, but here's a relevant issue. You think that, that when you see these folks walking down the street and they're talking to invisible beings and we can't see them. Let me ask you this. How do you know that they're not there? How do you know that they're not there? You don't know. So you cannot judge and we shall not judge and we are not to judge. Look at the book of Psalms. David was constantly in turmoil because he was fighting also constantly against the minions and white noise, constantly. And always turning back to God. God called him a man after my own heart. And he was after God's heart constantly. He constantly turned back to God. He was falling many times, called from God, and he fought against Goliath, took the giant's life, and then took his head and buried it outside of Jerusalem and called Nath, placed the skull. The Jesus had to walk up, and they crucified him there. And people... See, I, I tell you about mammon, how they change wording and change words to fit their narratives that are going on in their mind. 
So they change it from the place of the skull. They call it Calvary. And, and you know, how would these uh, worship songs play out if they said, And he crawled to the place of the skull and hung on the cross. You know, they, they change the wording so it's all more pretty. They call it Calvary. And they talk about different things. And they call it different names so that it's more... Uh, aesthetically pleasing but the place because the high priests of the temple they told david that 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 head that he cut off and brought back to show to the people you know he, he brought it drug it into jerusalem when saul came back and and david was a hero and they were coming back to proclaim and he brought that head with him they said, ah, no, 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 that's unclean. You can't bring that in. This is God's city. These are God's people. You can't bring that filthy, nasty thing in here outside. So he had to go an appropriate distance and bury the head. Now, allegedly, Golgotha is where that was done. And they figured, based on historians taking these directions and all this, that that was the place that it was. <laughs> Pardon me. Sorry. But David was a man after God's own heart, and he came back constantly. Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. God knows us. We can't hide anything from God. Yeah, he does, but he, he wants us to confess. He wants us to talk to him. He wants conversation. And my earthly father was no different than man from what he demonstrated and showed, although there were times where I didn't agree with it because he did use a stick. And when we were needing to be punished, he would do so. And now that's really going to offend people because they believe Dr. Spock and all these other idiots that write these words and they say, hey, you can't do that. You can't raise your hand to your child. Just like I had a clerk in the store when I, I put my hand on my son's butt. One swat. That's it. Once. Because he was throwing the tantrum in the store, something that we had already talked about before we went in, but he wanted what he wanted and he wanted to do it and he didn't care that he was out there. And he thought, it, I think he thought he was going to get away with it. I don't know what he was thinking, but he was not thinking about what we had already talked about. Then I had this young, this young clerk who was busy with her personal phone call behind the cash register, had the audacity to come and try to chastise me for beating my son. Well, I looked at her because she was she was railing hard. And I said, young lady, you should go wait on all these customers are waiting for you to speak something that you have no knowledge of. I said, first of all, I wasn't beating my son. I gave one pat on the butt because he was disobeying and he didn't, and he was throwing a tantrum in the store. If you're gonna call somebody, get on the phone and call them because when they look at the store video, they will see the facts. So you need to go and take care of people and really actually just mind your business. And everybody in line started picking up the chant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that wasn't what that was about. My earthly father would swat when, when the need be. And God does it. He's a loving father. And if he wasn't loving to us, he wouldn't 
allow chastisement and things to be done. That's that's fortifying our faith, strengthening us, and guiding us in our steps to the direction that we should go. And he does it, and I thank him for that. But what I I love too is as I was reading in the in the old one, they were talking about God riding across the heavens and his strength and his majesty. Oh my gosh, these sunsets that he has been displaying past several days and those beautiful, beautiful billowy clouds and then the sunsets and I saw the most magnificent, beautiful thank you. Thank you. The clouds were so beautiful, and I had never seen happen. You know, when you see the <clears throat> the sun kind of go behind some dark clouds and then poke through these holes that are pulled. God sticks his finger in there and kind of pulls it apart a little bit so the rays can come up and through. You always see they're bright and they're they're very white lightish. Yesterday. I saw something, and I can't recall seeing this, but this huge, magnificent, you could see the reflection off the clouds behind, so they were very, very white in coloration and coming through, and then when they came through the big opening in the front cloud, which is very dark, it was golden in color. Not that bright white that you would tend to think would come out. It was golden in color. I just, I'm just kind of glad that I was in the position and and going in the direction that I could see this for a while and enjoy it. And it wasn't going to be a distraction. I'd be looking off somewhere and drive up a curb. That wouldn't be good. But remember this thing that when we are we are allowing ourselves to get weighed down with the burdens today and we're allowing the tasks overflow where we feel that way along with all the unplanned for interruptions that take place. He's got our lives planned out, Proverbs 3, 5, 6, 7, and 8, on a daily basis, Psalms 139. He knows what's coming and he gives us our daily strength and We need to just take a minute, compare our stress with God's strength. Many of us don't do that. We we push these little molehills into mountains. And we allow allow these little interruptions to become gigantic. So, the analogy in the words from the Bible are declaring that. I'm sorry, pardon me. When Jesus declares... With faith as a mustard seed, saying to this mountain, be gone. Cast in the sea and God will do it. Well, not that God can't take an actual physical mountain and throw it in the ocean if that really needs to be done. But here's the thing. Does it need to be done? No. So I think the analogy would be that we are allowing molehills that are really not any anything, not an issue. And we're pushing them up into this mountainous problem and we can say and grab onto that faith and say, Abba, forgive me. Take this mountain in Jesus' name and cast it out of my path. Let me go th- straight on with you. And Jesus' name, declare that. It'll be done. And that giant, now remember when 
Moses sent 12 into the land of Canaan, the promised land, land flowing with milk and honey. And Joshua and Caleb came back with a good report, said, yeah, 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 we can do this. God is with us. God is with us. He told us we can do this. And then, of course, you had the 10 there who were mealy mouth, whiny, crying, and they perverted what God had already promised. But we saw ourselves as grasshoppers. They will step on us and destroy us and take our lives. Well, the tribes decided to ascribe to their lies and they wandered for 40 years because they didn't have faith in God. They didn't believe and they just didn't do what God told them to do. They decided to go their own way. So they wandered around their own way for 40 years. But here's the other thing. A lot of people look at it and say, man, God was this and God was that. Oh, man, that was cool. Wait a second. Read back to the rest of the scripture. Take everything in context. Unknot your knickers so you can sit down and be comfortable. For 40 years, they did not mend their sandals and they did not sew their clothing. They had no need for repair and they had no need for mending anything because God touched them. Still, and failing to follow what he instructed, <clears throat> he still cared for them. He still fed them pheasant and quail, which they whined and cried about. And he still fed them with manna, bread from heaven. And they still cried about angels eat manna. So he was sharing it with his children. And they still whined and cried about it. What is this stuff? It's angel food. Pardon me, I have to go here. I can't stop myself, Father, forgive me. <laughs> the first angel food cake. The very first angel food cake. Just saying. So, we are so much like that. We are so much like that. And they said, well, wait a minute, he's a chosen people, he's this and that, and that person was saved, their redemption couldn't have been very strong, and they couldn't have had this faith or that faith. And who are you judging? Stop it. You can't say that because you don't know the person, you don't know the individual, you don't know the circumstances. So those individuals that we see out there on the street that are wandering around looking like they're talking to a whole mob that's all around it, because many times I see them turning and looking and swaying. Who are we to say that they're not? We are in a spiritual warfare and if God allowed us to see what was going on around us all the time on the spiritual plane of existence, we would definitely lose whatever mind we'd like to think that we have. But there are angels that are fighting for us. He's constantly fighting for us. Just take time, compare the stress that you're allowing with God's strength. He has much more strength than you have stress. But we allow it to push up into that mountain that we can't step over, walk around, or scale. But here's the thing too. You can't do yesterday's work <clears throat> or tomorrow's work. <clears throat> Pardon me. But so many get wound up in this idea and they get stressed over something that's already gone by and they did it a certain way and they can't go back and redo it because work just doesn't let that happen. 
and they're worried about this projected time frame about tomorrow, 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 and there's always tomorrow. Well, here's the thing. Tomorrow is not promised. So all that future that you pre-planned and filled your agenda with, stressing you to no end, it may not even take place. The appointed minute, day, and second by God's say-so. I used to say this all the time. I haven't said it in a long time because I haven't had anybody share it with, but here's the deal. Until God tells me that I'm done, I'm invincible. And I do believe that. I say that with faith in my Lord God Almighty. Until he tells me that I'm done, I am invincible. There's nothing on this earth that can that come, come in. And yeah, I that's speaking boldly, but it's also speaking truthfully. I firmly believe that. Until he tells me I'm done, I'm not done. And I'm going to continue being about my father's business. And if your knicker's getting a twist over something I say, then maybe it's applicable to your walking. Just saying. If it doesn't apply to you, don't get your knickers in a twist. Just walk and listen in here. And for the person who's it applies to, then take note and repent if you have to. Or get yourself all twisted up. Because here's the thing that I repeatedly tell you. And I'll say it again. I say it always. I don't care. Not saying that in a mean way, but telling you that your validation for my life or what I should be doing or how I should be speaking or how I should be sharing the word of God. And notice that when people on this plane of existence say things like, well, you know, you really should do this. You should do that. And you know, you ought not to do. That's because they're trying to be your conscience and they're trying to tell you how you should walk the life and when you take notice of what thing, there's pretty much falling apart or has fallen apart. So don't go that way, but the Holy Spirit could guide your steps. Speak righteously, and what I'm telling you is this upright truth and bold. I don't care because your validation is not what I seek. I seek my Father's validation, what is right by Him, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and His business, none of yours. It's not. So don't try to judge me and tell me how I should be sharing the word of God because the Holy Spirit guides my words and God permits it to be done this way. Because sometimes, not only is the word for edification and uplifting, but sometimes those that are listening might need to be admonished. Take that for thought. And that's actually in the Bible. It is. So we don't have yesterday's strength that we had for something and we don't have tomorrow's strength because we used it all up on something that happened yesterday. We only have today's strength. But as the Lord told Paul, my strength for you is sufficient. Paul was going through some, whew, you talk about some trials and issues. Lord God Hashim. Gives us daily strength for our daily needs. And we should be praying for God's strength and his grace now because he was, so all this is by God's grace, not because we are, as many label heads and self proclaimed Christians will say that, oh, we're deserving and we do this, and they take many things for granted. No, we don't. Just like salvation, 
salvation wasn't promised. And it happens as soon as you say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, and I believe he's your only begotten son, and you begin to have faith in God, and you follow that, and you seek his word, you seek his faith, you seek his truth, and you share the word, the gospel, which is according to God's plan, and we are to be about our Father's business. When you start doing all that, and remember, I've shared this with you before, that your good works didn't get you saved. So for you label heads and self-proclaimed out there, get it right, repent of that way and walk the right way. In the book of Ephesians, which Paul was writing to that church and explaining these things to him, in Ephesians 3, he writes about that thing and about God's unquenchable fire of truth, knowledge, wisdom, grace. And when we ask, he'll answer us. He does. You have to be in that, lean in and listen to what I've told you. Remember, there's that still small voice. It's not like it was on the face of the mountain when his prophet was up there and he had the wind, thunderstorms, the rain, the winds, and a wildfire. What did he tell his prophet? To go back into the cave. And then it was the still small voice, the voice of God, the Holy Spirit that was speaking to him. Not out as it was on the face of the mountain, the turmoil, hubbub of the daily walk that he was in out there and those enemies coming and Jezebel sending her guys to take his life. It's that still small voice that we need to listen to. Listen to that voice. Hear his truth, hear his knowledge, hear his wisdom from the Lord God Almighty. Hashim, a Lord thy God, who is always with us. You're in my prayers. I'm going out, my coming in.